My name is Dave Hollenbach, the host of From Embers to Excellence. My goal is to explore the many facets of leadership from the perspectives of some amazing people. In addition to leadership, I like to discuss mental health, PTSD, and overcoming adversity. If you have a favorite episode, I would love to hear about it. Message me through social media or my website, and I will share some free tools to help you achieve your goals. Please like, subscribe, and leave a review. If you haven't purchased your copy of my book, Fireproof, please grab a copy today. Thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Neil Dudley. He is the host of the Cowboy Perspective podcast. He is also the vice president at Peterson's Natural Farms, a farm with humane, organic, and natural practices. As for the Cowboy Perspective podcast, he says that most of the things he is confident in today stem from the things he learned and continues to learn from the cowboys and cowgirls in his life. The Cowboy Perspective is his way of telling that story in hopes of being a resource to others. And uh, man, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today and and share your Cowboy Perspective and uh, it was kind of cool before we started recording uh, the hashtag Cowboy Stoic. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that tag in, in the show notes show notes for this episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I feel like this is a piece of that cowboy perspective. Is I kind of feel embarrassed at times to talk about myself, you know, because those cowboys early in my life, you know, you were never good at anything. And if you said you were, that was just made you lower than dirt. Nobody needs to hear you talk about how great you are. And, and I feel like stoicism is a really huge word. It's very important. I like the idea of those stoics historically that, and even people like Ryan Holiday and others that are kind of giving us access to some of those thought processes. So, so, so calling myself the cowboy stoic does feel like, you know, it might be a little bit bigger than what I really am, but if I own it, <laughs> it's actually true. I am a, I am a kind of a cowboy stoic. I think these thoughts are super valuable to you as the listeners. By the way, I, I like to start this conversation with a big old yeehaw. I mean, <laughs> this, I'm so glad to meet you, your listeners, and give you a chance to just hear about uh, how I think about life and what I think it takes to be successful and, and go to another level. And if you aren't wanting to go to another level, you should be. <laughs> I have to be. Dave has to be. We all have to constantly be leaning. And, and reaching for another level. Amen. Amen. There, yeah. There's no finish line. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's, let's start off with some of your background and, and we'll start off with, you know, where you were born and raised and, and what was life like growing up on the farm? That's right. This is my favorite way of illustrating it. I use it all the time because it is probably the most clear way of how I grew up. I spent almost every night trying to sneak into my mom and dad's room and sleep by my dad's side of the bed. So when he got up in the morning, he would step on me and I would wake up and get to go with him. That is, that is the, the childhood I remember. It was just so wanting to be outside on the ranch, riding horses, feeding cattle, farming building fence, every little piece of that. I just loved it. And partially because I looked up to my dad in such a, a huge way. He was just God, you know, he was just this larger than life figure who I looked up to so much. So that's, that's where I come from. That's, that's how I grew up. He was similar with his dad. I'm a very lucky person in that regard. I knew my grandparents, both sets of them, really well. I got to spend quite a bit of my life getting to know how they thought about things. They're some of those cowboys and cowgirls that poured into me, and they were different people. My dad's side of the family were ranchers, and they had been in the auto business and fixing flats during World War II, and this kind of a like a dry goods store. My mom's side had there were like one generation from from down from German immigrants 
and they settled kind of in a German community. That side, my grandmother was just this, I mean, amazing woman. Just, I never saw her not working her tail off ever. And that meant when she was playing with me, she was just busy. So all those things set the groundwork for my, my lens that, that I use to think about things through. So, so where exactly, uh, were you born and raised? Oh yeah, that's right. Central Texas, uh, born and raised in a little town called Comanche. So I tell everybody we're kind of two hours from everywhere. We're two <laughs> hours north. We're two hours north of Austin. We're two hours southwest of Dallas Fort Worth. We're kind of a couple of hours southeast of Abilene, um, just in the very center center part of Texas. And, and I guess that's your geography is a lot of what you know and learn and see i mean i i know mesquite trees and kind of the being the top end of the hill country and and deer now we've got wild hogs some of that that wild game was just a part of my life too give me a, a little bit of the the history of peterson farms like you know who founded it and what was kind of the philosophy behind uh doing what you do now there's parts of it I don't know. I wasn't there for. So the company's been in business for 30 years. It was founded by a guy who really was raising pigs to what was at the time called Process Verified. It was a USDA program where they were verifying your kind of animal husbandry as well as antibiotic use, et cetera, in this program. And it, it was a program that a retailer by the name of Whole Foods had interest in. So we early on started working with Whole Foods through that relationship. About 10 years after the founding of the company, my best friend since kindergarten came to work here and got promoted to president within the first year of his uh, you know, employment in the company, which is kind of a great story in itself. And I had been to graduate school. I just didn't know what I was doing. I was rodeoing full-time and working on the ranch a little bit. He called me and said, Hey, why don't you come over here and start working at this bacon company? I, I just got made president. And I was kind of laughed and what, like, didn't you just get out of college yesterday? <laughs> well, how'd you pull that off? And he's like, ah, you know, I don't know, but I, I've got, I've got the reins now. Why don't you come help me? So I did. And he was smart and starting me within the quality QA uh, food safety part of the business. He said, okay, well, first day you need to know what HACCP is, which stands for hazard analysis, critical control point. It was a system developed by NASA to make sure when we put pilot, uh, astronauts into space that they didn't get sick. I mean, that's a bad scenario to have you know, really any kind of illness up there. That's then they sent it down through the food business. And that's how we make sure our food's super safe quality. And it's, it's a thing most Americans take for granted. I think you go to a grocery store, you're getting safe quality food. You don't even have to, it's not even a second thought. And that's not true everywhere. That rambles a little bit. I mean, ultimately it's just a couple of cowboys that think a handshake's really damn important. And everything we do revolves around that. It's our reputation. It's our expectation of ourselves and our company and our brand that people can trust us. And that doesn't mean we get it right every time. We absolutely don't get it right every time, but we're going to stand behind it. We're going to do everything we can to fix it. And, and even in some cases, you can't fix it good enough. I mean, there are situations where somebody feels like we took advantage of them and we can't unravel that. But it's rare now, 20 years in the business. I think that kind of speaks to, you know, the truth is we're pretty good. We want to do good business. And that's, that's our main philosophy. Keep growing. I could tell by the way that you were explaining that, that there have been some ups and downs. There's been some lessons learned through, you know, the growth of the company. And, and I, I was just wondering, like, just from your perspective and your role 
at, at Peterson Farms there that what are some of the lessons that you've learned through some of the mistakes that you've made? I uh, love it. That's one of my favorite questions to ask anybody. And I have, you know, I guess as really the same as anybody, tons of those. Um, <laughs> probably the mistakes that turn out to be the most vivid in my mind have to do with relationships and, and people and uh, not valuing that enough on occasion with employees of the company. Look, I came from roping calves, working on a ranch to a part of an organization that needed me to be a leader. And I hell, I didn't know how to lead. I mean, I still am trying to figure it out. Uh, so along the way, I didn't value a person enough. I didn't let them know that they were valued. I didn't hold them accountable in a fair and open, honest way. And so they, they missed their opportunity to bloom and be all they could be. And so did I. I mean, so those are kind of the mistakes I would like everybody to think about. If you, if you are leading your family, everybody's leading somebody within an organization at a top level or even within teams of the organization. I like people to just think I've got to get better. I'm a pretty good leader right now today. And I've always kind of been cut out for that. I was captain of the football team. I was president of the rodeo association. I, I end up being on, you know, service organization boards. And next thing you know, I'm a president of that board. I think that's part of the cowboy thing is I think responsibility is my job. I need, you have to be willing to take the responsibility and risk the scrutiny that comes with that. So I encourage everybody be leaders uh, you know, specific instances of these failures I've had is uh, missing the value that a player on our team had and they go somewhere else and, and do great things. And, and man, they could have been doing that for us. But I was too egotistical, selfish, young, immature, all those different things to allow them to teach me. Yeah, I love that that kind of answer, and I love how you tie it to to leadership, and um, you know, and and that that ownership, and, and it, that just being a part of who you are. That you know, if not me, then who? I, yeah. You know, I'm willing to to step up and take responsibility. You know, if nobody else is going to do it, I mean, it falls on me. I'm here. And, uh, and yeah, I love that mindset and, um, and, and it, to me, it is something that is learned because you don't just come out of the womb thinking like that, <laughs> but we're all selfish. I mean, you're, yeah. we're all just, it's that human flaw, right? We just really can it's almost impossible to think of others first. I still struggle with that. Um, I will have scenarios in conversations with my wife and children where I'm more whining about they hurt my feelings than really trying to hear how I hurt theirs. You know, and I think as the man, as the dad, there's nobody for me to cry to. And that's that's OK. I have to be mature enough and good enough to realize I can work through those things myself, or I can talk to a buddy maybe that, you know, I don't think that we all have to suffer in silence. If that's a thing, you got to have some of those good people in your life that you can lean on. And one of those for me is my dad. Uh, you know, I really have that relationship with him. Uh, I was thinking also for listeners, like you might be listening to all this and saying, yay, cool. That all sounds real fluffy and good. And I love it. But what do you, what is the implementation of that? Like, How do you actually, what is a thing I need to do? So this is what I'm going to tell you. When you feel angry, on edge, uh, at odds with your team and the people in your organization, take a 30-minute break. Go back up and say, these people are actually good humans. 
and and I'm having a big issue with them. Let me process that a little bit. I had to learn to do that because I was kind of all way, I would make very bad decisions in the heat of the moment. Cody, he would tell me, I'm the more emotional out of the two of us. And we've been leading this company a while. And he's like, Neil, don't do, don't put an email out when you're emotional. You, you know, it's going to be a very bad uh, result. And that was right. I had to learn how to just back up. There's a million books out there that say, you know, count to six, count to 12, slow down, all those things. And that's, that's my advice. Follow those, follow those rules. One of the things that you said uh, made me think of something I, I wrote about it in my book and you know, I, I can't take credit for it. I, I read it in some other book and um, but it's a, a term called selfish altruism, right? So the idea is that, you know, you can think about it in terms of your family or your community or the team that you're working on, whatever, you know, little uh, space, uh, you know, connection relationships that you want to think about. But selfish altruism is the idea that you'll work as hard as possible to add value to yourself for the purpose of adding value to those people that you care most about, to, you know, your, your family, to your children, to uh, your community, to the team that you work on, and you're leading by example. And when those people start applying that same effort to add value to the team, what happens is amazing. And you benefit from it. You know, as the leader of the team or just a member of the team, you benefit immensely from it. But you really do have to have that mindset that it's for them, not you. Because if it's selfish, it's never going to work. It's never going to turn out the way you intend. You know, It's not genuine. People yeah. will sniff out that disgen or you know i can't come up with the word somebody that's not just genuine about what they're they're trying to put across uh, i think at least in my experience people sniff that out really fast this it ties to servant leadership the word i've heard uh in other content i consume i, I like i drive quite a bit so i like listening to your podcast other podcasts uh, that's part of my just opportunity to take that time to add value to myself instead of maybe just zoning out and listening to some music or something. I, I just prefer to kind of try to, and I don't remember everything I hear or listen to. It's partly why I think these conversations are so great. There's a good chance what you stand for, what I stand for, and how we can help others. They've heard it before. I mean, we're this is we're not really inventing any super special thing nobody's ever heard of. But maybe we say it in a way that lands in their life and they go implement it because it's it's all in the implementation. You can know all this stuff, but if you don't put it to work, it's it basically just like not knowing it. And you can probably speak on this. I mean, I, I know this is the case for me, but, you know, since starting this podcast, uh, the people that I've been able to interview and have conversations with, those conversations, the, the back and forth has added so much value to me and helped me better relate to the people in my life. And really understand myself better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it happened to me just yesterday. My wife and I are driving back from a trip. We'd been at a conference and we're, we're kind of having a not comfortable situation. Uh, just stuff in life is happening with our kids. And, you know, I feel about it this way. She feels about it that way. We're talking. And eventually she just looks at me and says, everything you say right now is negative. And she was right. And I, that's not the kind of person I want to be. It's not the kind of person I think I am. But in that moment, 
she told me the truth in the real uh, honest, open, vulnerable way. And it was so valuable to me. That happens on podcasts as well. Maybe not as blatantly, but uh, just in conversation. Oh, wow. I never really thought about thought about it like that. Now that's kind of interesting. Maybe I want to think about it a little more that way. It's funny that you should mention the the negative mindset because I want to say it was just yesterday and I and I've had this conversation in the past about, you know, the neuroscience of the brain, you know, how um you know, just the the caveman in us, you know, we are all hardwired for survival. And the caveman that survived was the one that was critical of everything. Yeah, that looks like some pretty tasty fruit, but I bet you there's a saber-toothed tiger back there, you know? And, you know, it's like the party pooper, but that guy survived. And the guy that went over there and grabbed the fruit got ate by a (laughs) saber-tooth. Right. So just through, you know, the survival of the fittest or, you know, the most negative... (laughs) We're kind of, you know, we will unfortunately think about the negative four times more than we think about the positive. You know, good stuff will happen to us all the time, but what is most noticeable to us is the negative. And it really has to be a conscious decision to look at the positive, embrace the positive and, and feel it. Uh, I mean, it really is a conscious decision, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, and, and it and takes I, practice. You, right. you can't just say one day, I'm going to start acting like that. <laughs> I've been doing that for a good long while and I'm still messing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, I was going to say, you can even see it in this conversation. We focused on failures to illustrate things we've learned and they're, oh boy, I can think of those easy. But if you'd have said, tell me some of the big wins you've you've done and how you got there, I would have needed some prep to answer that question because I'd have been, well, you know, I don't know. So it is, it's just cool to, to give that truth its space and understand it. Like, okay, cool. This is going to be pretty much my def- uh, default way of acting. And, and that's not really how I want to be. It's not the, the focus I want to have in my life. I want to think about, man, the possibilities are endless. I probably aren't even, I'm not even close to thinking as big as it could be. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing to, to, to focus on right now is that the reason that we have these conversations about, you know, the lessons we've learned from failures is because there's a lot of people out there that, I mean, we're all hardwired to focus on that. And when we can talk about the lessons learned, because we're looking back on stuff and you can look, go, okay, well, if not for that mistake, I would not be here today. This is how that whole thing played out. And to have that knowledge and to share it with somebody that's in a dark place right now could be all the difference in the world to them. And, and so looking at our conversation in that context of, of, okay, we've all had these failures and, you know, even somebody that is the vice president of the farm that gives whole foods, their, their bacon, you Mm -hmm. know, you make mistakes. I make mistakes. Everybody freaking makes mistakes. And it's what we do with those mistakes. We can allow it to, to define us or we can allow it to refine us. Yeah. So I, I, I'm curious, would you mind talking about some of the guests that you've had on your show and, and maybe some of the aha moments you've experienced? Yes. I love that. I mean, Part of the the guest network I've built is doubled my value in, in myself and the marketplace. I did want to go back really quick and say, let's say a comparison scares me in some of these situations. Like if you're listening to this, don't be comparing yourself to me. 
or Peterson's or my success here because you could do way bigger uh, or maybe you're not there yet. It, it's, it's not how you need to value yourself. I mean, I've been a part of approaching a billion dollars of sales in my lifetime. So, I mean, I, I know how to make that happen. I know how money works. I know how to uh, scale. Um, but, but I'm not perfect at it. Some of it was feeling my way through the, through the darkness to that truth and, and timing and all those things. So, and there's guys that have done, you know, they make a billion a month. So it's just all about perspective in that regard. Um, I just wanted to touch on that real quick. So everybody realizes if you're listening to this, I appreciate that. That means you're giving us some status within your life as a person to pay attention to. And I, I just want you to know, like, that doesn't mean compare yourself to me. That just means I'm, I'm access to some information. Right. Yeah. And, and there's those people in your life that led the way for you. That's right. 100%. And, and some of them led it in ways that had zero relationship to money. <laughs> you know, we use money as a measuring stick a lot of times, but I think happiness and uh, time value is, is really a measuring stick. I like to try to keep my mind on. Okay. So just a few examples of people that have been on the cowboy perspective that, that have been really fun, kind of big fish that your audience may have may or may not have heard of uh, a guy named Randy Bernard. He was the CEO of the professional bull riders association. He's kind of a cowboy guy. He's now managing Garth Brooks. Uh, so if you follow him on social media, you'll see he's, he's in the suites at these stadiums that Garth is playing to looks like millions of people in Ireland. One of the most valuable things he said to me was in my early career, the talent, anybody, the talent that I had coming to my business, my team, my show, I wanted them to feel like rock stars when they came. I mean, I did everything I could to figure out how to, to have them arrive in a, a limo to a green room that was super special. And, to, and that's something I play in my life, in my career to my advantage is good. I like when somebody visits our company, I try to think about it. Like I want them to walk away from here and go tell their friends like, Holy crap, this little podunk company in Hamilton just put me up in, in a way I've never been treated before. So there you go. Randy Bernard, go listen to that one. Um, another really fun one to just get a real cowboy perspective that's rare is a guy named Jim Sharp. And this is going to have kind of a bull riding theme. I, I'm not only friends with bull riders, but it just turns out this Jim Sharp guy is a very quiet guy. I'm really surprised I was able to get him to come on and talk about his career, but he was the first guy to ever ride all 10 bulls at the NFR. He's had a storied career. Most of the high performers in that industry will tell you he was the best. Uh, although he doesn't, you really don't see him that much in the conversation when, when everybody's talking about the greats. He's just not that really charismatic kind of guy, but he's, he, his conversation was super fun to just hear how he thought about, like, I'm like, who was your hero, Jim? I didn't really have one. I, that's what I wanted to do. So I did it. You know, <laughs> I, that's crazy to me because I have such a strong relationship with those heroes in my life. And so it was really cool to just hear him say, no, I, I didn't really, I wasn't looking at anybody else. I wanted to do it. So I did it. It's <laughs> freaking cool, man. Yeah, there's this story about him. He's at the pinnacle of the the rodeo world, the national finals rodeos. It's like the Super Bowl of rodeo. He's setting this record. He's riding these bulls, winning, just beating everybody kind of easily. And right, it's now the tenth round. He's about to go 
potentially set this record of the first person to ever ride all 10. And his buddy starts looking for him because it's kind of, it's getting close to time for him to get on. And he finds him in the dressing room, eating a hot dog, <laughs> you know, just like you can't pressure this guy up at all. I mean, he just doesn't feel the pressure or it makes you think he doesn't the way he acts. Where do you think that comes from? Were you able to glean anything? I think it comes from that. He was doing what he wanted with his life and it didn't matter. It didn't matter if he set some record or not. He was satisfied. He was happy with whatever outcome came. And that's what, that's what I think if we can get to in business, in our own lives, in whatever you do, competitive diving, uh, skateboarding, building a billion dollar business, any of those things. If you can get to that Jim Sharp attitude, that is, this has been a great life. I'm going to slide in high five in Jesus with a ball of dust behind me. And man, that was a ride. Then all those other things just fade away. Yeah, they'll be cool. You'll be recognized. It gives you audience. Like if you, if you do some certain things, you get audience and audience is valuable. It, it helps you spread the word or even monetize all those things. But it's not, it's not what it's all about. What it's all about is, man, I mean, I'm even getting chill bumps talking about this right now because I, this is what it's all about to me, this time together with you, with your audience. If I die in the next two seconds, which I might, we all have to realize you don't know when that day's coming. And I've had, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy with what I've done in my life. If you can't feel that way, change something. You, it's totally possible for you to change. I, I want to say I read it on, on your uh, podcast website, um, but something that you, you talk about, you know, this, this cowboy perspective, but how, how you can deploy grit, determination, humility, and, and faith in your daily life. And what, well, can we explore the four of those, you know, grit, determination? What's the difference between grit and determination? Yeah. Okay. I think let's start with faith. Um, you know, ultimately, that's that's the building block. It all begins there for me. And I'm lucky my mom and dad handed that to me. Like I didn't have to really go get it. They gave it to me as a kid, getting me in church around other Christians. And this doesn't mean I'm telling you, if you're not a Christian, you're in big trouble and the world is, you know, all this. I'm saying it works good for me. I feel God in my life and, and I want to tell people about that. So I start with faith and, and uh, just understanding, man, I'm forgiven. Like I'm forgiven. I, it's okay. There's such a thing as grace and all these things. I'm such a flawed person. Like the church should have this sign on the front that says only screwed up people allowed, <laughs> you know, because there's no perfect people walking into a church. I mean, if you're perfect, you don't need the church. You, you know, and a church could even be a bad illustration. You don't need any improvement of any kind. Sometimes church could just be talking to a friend that is nice enough to tell you the truth about something. All right. So faith starts there. Um, grit and determination. So let's say grit to me feels like the dirt. Like I don't mind getting dirty. I don't mind getting gritty. It's almost like a wet and sandy within the Navy SEAL kind of structure. Like it's raw, you know, it's painful. It is, that's that kind of feeling where determination doesn't necessarily mean to me that I have to be all that dirty. I just have to be willing to go find a shower, you know, and, and get cleaned up and go again. Um, what was the fourth one? I, I don't know if I could pull uh, it up. Hum humility. We, oh, yeah. we, we touched on it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you all the way here. And uh, 
you know, like on the back of my shirt. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, uh, yeah. Be humble or be humble. Be, be humble or be humbled. Oh, so, there you go. Be humbled. I couldn't see the ED. Yeah. So if, uh, if you don't have humility, somebody will dish it out to you. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me. I mean, that happened to me as a young kid with those cowboys I'm talking about. Like, it's partly why I think I have a bit of a issue uh, releasing the humility at times to say, yeah, I'm pretty world-class at some of this stuff. I really am. I mean, put me with the best I can hang. Um, but humility in my mind is knowing that and not needing to put it in anybody's face in, in, in real life uh, operations. You know, uh, operations might be the wrong word. Real life, just interactions, relationships. Uh, I know I'm good. I don't need to tell them. They probably know it too. That's partly why we're doing this thing together. And the facts are, they could be better than me and I don't know it. You know, some of, some of that is that cowboy humility is just turned out to be really valuable. Although I love bringing it up for that purpose too, to say, you also have to be willing and able to give yourself the credit um, in a way that's not, I'm not, I'm not trying to say, yay, look at me, beat my chest, any of those things, but I can also own it. It's like, take a compliment, you know? Hey, you're really good. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm working hard. I want to be better, but I, I, I'm glad that you can see that in me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like uh, that humility piece is definitely, you gotta, you gotta know where you're at, you know, w what your strengths and what your weaknesses are. And, and even if you know, you're, operating at a much higher level than somebody else in some area of life or profession, that individual may have something to teach you. And if you've got the humility, you know, as just part of who you are, that you are open to receive something new from somebody that maybe it's out of the blue that you learn from this person, you know, and, and, uh, I've learned some of the most important lessons uh, when I, when I was a battalion chief, you know, I, I was learning from people that work for me, you know, just having, uh, I guess just being open to hear their ideas, e even if they didn't have all that much experience. Sometimes people are, they'll surprise you with, with how intelligent they are. They might not have the experience, but their brain works in such a way that they could uh, enlighten people with all the experience in the world, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, that's so true. I'm trying to think of a great way to illustrate it. Like I'm a really high, like, man, give me a horse, I can do about anything. Which I could probably kick Jay-Z's ass at horseback riding, but he kicks mine at, writing songs and being, you know, and rapping and those kind of things. The world paints this picture of certain skills being so valuable and so much more special, uh, partially by adding money, you know, partially by making it a monetary thing and partially by just fame, right? So you'll feel like uh, Trump's kind of one of the examples I use. If you listen to him, he knows everything about everything. And that just immediately, although I like him for certain things, it, it discredits him in my mind the second he starts pontificating about how he knows everything and he did it. Nobody did anything by themselves. I've not done any of what I've done by myself. Um, so that immediately just makes me think, mm, well, you know, I, I think that guy doesn't know much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's, those are just some examples of 
how you can learn from anybody. The fact that you're a high performer at this thing doesn't mean that you're a pretty poor performer at a lot of other stuff. And somebody else could be a high performer at that. And that'd be cool. I mean, I can't dance a lick. I mean, I could dance like some two-stepping at the bar or something, but like dancers, they impress the heck out of me. I love that. I mean, I think they're some of the most athletic people. It's fun to find value in, in lots of kind of weird places that you wouldn't necessarily expect. I think I read that you've got two daughters. Three. Three daughters. Three yes, daughters. sir. And how, how old are they? 12, 11, and 8. Wow, man. That's, so I, ha I have one daughter. I, I have one child. She's 15. And, you know, when I, when I was going to become a dad and they, you know, you get the sonogram and they tell you, oh, it's a girl. I mean, I was so confident that it was going to be a boy. Yeah. And, and I was like, yeah, no, I mean, how do you know that that's not like just a little tiny penis, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that's just, I don't know. I think the angle's bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, but man, when she was born, my life changed in so many amazing ways. And to be the father of uh, a beautiful young woman, I, I can't imagine, you know, how, how I feel like I've become so much more of a man for having become the father of a little girl, you know? Yeah. And, um, and there's certain things that I try and pass on to my daughter and, and now, so talking with you, you have three and, you know, knowing that our time can come to an end at any, at any moment, if that were the case for you, how would you want your daughters to remember you? And what do you think the most important lesson uh, you've taught them thus far? is well i really have to answer three separate answers because they all three really need a different most important lesson um i kind of want all those things that anybody does i want them to remember me as like i knew dad loved me there's no doubt i knew he loved me and actually part of I, part of how i knew that is because he was hard on me you know i didn't just get whatever i wanted with dad it's part of the reason I do the podcast. If I poof away any minute, there's some great content for my girls to listen back to and think, oh, that's how dad thought about it. Okay, cool. That's, that can help me live the kind of life I want to live. Uh, two of my daughters are saved. They've been baptized. So there's one big truth that I can, they know I valued and got them in and gave them that foundation that my parents gave them. Okay, so for the oldest, she, I hope she remembers the pressure I put on her to not accept where she's at. Um, you know, it doesn't, it's not tied to our love. It's tied to getting all that life that's out there and available for you. Uh, my love is not tied to your performance. My love is big enough that it will, I want you to do hard things, right? Um, the middle one is she needs to temper that a little bit. Like she's got to release some of that pressure she puts on herself. I, I don't even know if I'm answering your question. I don't, I can't really dictate if they're going to remember these things about me. I would hope they would. I would hope like when I'm gone and they're done mourning that because it's just a sad truth they kind of lean back on just some of that stuff that's in their brain that I put in there. Like you have to talk to your kids and them totally be looking out the window and, and just hope it goes in. And I know, <laughs> I, I know it does because my parents did that for me. Yeah. There's stuff in my brain that I don't even know I'm accessing that they just told me so many times that, and I never consciously took it in, but it's there. And I would say, you know, for the youngest one, I'm not 100% sure yet. She's eight. She knows I love her. She's probably the most naturally high performing of the bunch. 
Um, just she kind of just kind of is good at it. I've got two daughters that battle dyslexia, and I almost I try to tell them, don't you know this is actually kind of a gift? You're you're being challenged. Like the pain, the failure, the challenge is the life. And it's not going to be that way 24-7. But those things are what help you be the best you can be. There you go. That's my rambling answer to a pretty simple question. <laughs> no, man, that was awesome. And so for the follow-up is, how have they taught you to be a better man? Oh, yeah. Well, that one's easy because I have to cry and fall on my knees and ask for their forgiveness when I'm just an a-hole because of my own personal ego uh, expectations. And that's a fine line. You know, the, the flipping from great parent that holds them accountable and is just teaching them the things they have to have to, to live and, and be good citizens, good uh, contributors to our world, it's a fine line right then to a-hole, <laughs> you know, you just went that fine. You just stepped over too far. Now it's more about uh, this passive aggressive BS that I will do. I have done. And I have to just, and they forgive you so fully and freely. The second you'll just be honest with them. I think the world does that like people and it's hard. Like just being really truthfully apologetic and, and owning those things that you do to others, that's hard. But if you will do it and practice it and, and try to pick every time you do it and deal with it, it really frees you up. It frees that conscience. I sleep so good. I sleep so good. Um, if you struggle with that at all, just start owning it. And it's hard. Nobody wants to, to admit, oh, I was an idiot. That was super mean and unfair. I really appreciate you taking the time with me today. And, and I'm curious, we've talked about so many different things now. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you feel is important for us to, to discuss uh, before we go? Yeah. I, um, I don't think we touched on nutrition and, and okay. how yeah, important food is. <laughs> if you're eating a crappy diet, you're not, there's no way you can be all you can be in life. So I just, I'm begging you. I'm not saying you got to eat meat. I'm not saying you got to eat vegetarian. I'm saying spend time, which we all only have so much, allocate some time in your life to really getting serious about your nutrition and eating quality food. Uh, yes, I feel like Peterson's is a great uh, solution for quality food, but it's not. this is not a Peterson's commercial. It's not a the cowboy perspective commercial. It's me trying to genuinely tell you. It's almost like I'm saved. I'm a Christian. That is a basic building block for my life. It is it has to be there for me to have success. The quality nutrition is the same. It's the same exact. You have to put that in or you're just not going to be able to do those things that you want to do. You're not going to, let's say you make it to granddad. Well, you're not going to be any, it's not going to be any fun being granddad because you can't do anything with your kids because you're not healthy. You're not fit. You're not able that that's what I would say. You know, I just kind of like to leave it with, we didn't touch on that. Every other thing we touched on, I've been, I'm super uh, passionate about it, excited to share, uh, but health is a big one. In multiple conversations that I've had about the development of high performers, those three areas that you got to focus on your mind, body, and spirit. And I mean, we did, talk about each one just not really maybe in that context but you know we've got to work on the inside we've got to take care of our bodies and if you're eating junk you're not exercising you know it's going to be hard to maintain the other two as well um so 
man, I, I really appreciate you taking the time with me and sharing so much. And uh, uh, for those listening that want to tune into your podcast or maybe uh, learn more about Peterson Farms, you know, what's the best way to connect with you? And, and you know, I, I know that there's a couple of websites, but also you're, you're on Instagram a lot as well. Uh, yep. So if you could share those, those links with us and I'll, I'll have them in the show notes as well. Sure. You know, it's kind of that double-edged sword too, because I'm on that damn phone way too much. It, it is just a fact. And I try, we have a policy around our house, turn the phones off on Saturdays, you know, just turn them off. Let's be a family. Let's do things. And that's hard to do. I mean, it really is. So I'm sure everybody's experiencing that. But I'm on them a lot. If you want to get in touch with me, the Cowboy Perspective on Instagram, Peterson's Farms on Instagram, uh, Neil Dudley on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn. You can look me up there. If there's any way I can help you, I'd be glad to. It's actually a gift to me that you would even consider me as somebody that might could help you. So don't hesitate to reach out. I, I say yes just about every opportunity I can. Uh, it's, it's partly the salesman in me, you know. Uh, of course, yeah, I'm trying to make a living. Uh, part of how I sell is for one more person to hear about what we do. And then there's, the, there's that chance they like it or don't. Well, okay, cool. The no's fine either way. I just want that opportunity to, to have your attention for a little bit. And before we go, I, I have a really short story. You know, my, my connection to Whole Foods, um, seeing that you were with Peterson Farms, I'm familiar with it. And, uh, you know, before my daughter was born, uh, my wife at the time, she worked at Whole Foods. It's a great company a great organization and and it's huge for the community and you know as the lieutenant of a fire station in a pretty rough part of town um i was running to this one particular house uh the the father was deaf um and he had three sons and the mother had left and the father um, could not afford to feed his three sons and himself. So he chose to feed his three sons and he was like emaciated. And the oldest son was pretty messed up from his mom leaving. Yeah. And, uh, and he was not being a very good role model for his younger brothers. And he was the, the kid that we were running on the most. And, uh, and I started recognizing like the need there. And it just so happened that Whole Foods had this program going on where they were trying to teach nutrition to some of the firefighters and they would come out to the fire station and, and bring some food and, and cook for us. And I was talking to this woman that was responsible for that program. And I was like, Hey, is there any way that Whole Foods would be interested in sponsoring, you know, a Thanksgiving meal for this family. And she was like, I'll do one better. And they stocked their kitchen. They brought out a Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and then they did it for Christmas as well. And, uh, you know, we did uh, a big thing where we, you know, we, bought toys and supplies and stuff like that for that family. And it's just, you know, it's to be embedded in the community. I feel like that is very important to Whole Foods and their way of operating. Um, so, you know, I, I think it says a lot about Peterson Farms that they're involved in, you know, cause I know they're very selective on who they work with. And uh, so, yeah, man. I, I just, I wanted to share that story because that really blew me away. Uh, you know, Whole Foods is, is an incredible organization. Well, see, we're just going to have to talk for another hour because that's you telling that story is a perfect illustration of 
first responders. I mean, it's just you had the heart to want to help them. And, and organizations like Whole Foods and Peterson's, we do a big event where we raise money for kiddos with type one so we can provide their Dexcom units, like continuous glucose monitor units and their glucose and, and supplies for a whole year. So this we're raising money for that purpose. We can't give that to people if we don't know, you know, if they don't apply. If, so Whole Foods is looking to do these things, but if there's not somebody there, you pointing out the thing, then it doesn't get done. So it's such a, I'm sure you have a lot of firefighters. Uh, the I don't know. I call them first responders. I don't even know if that's fair. Heroes. It seems like a better word to me. Although most of you won't accept that. Um, I just want to say thank you to the to you. You're listening now. You are a hero in this world. Uh, keep it up. Thank you so much, Neil. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, uh, I hope we can stay in contact. And um, yeah, I, man, blown away. What a great conversation. I, I wasn't... Like I wasn't sure. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure. Like I knew it was going to be cool. I just didn't know like in what direction it would go. You know, you never know. Sure. Uh, but man, thank you. I'm blown away. Well, I'm sensitive to my own personality in this way. Like I love these conversations. I love the conceptual exploration of good, bad, ugly, otherwise. I, I, I am aware that a lot of times that doesn't leave people with these actionable things to go do. The facts are, I can't give you the actions. You have to go find, nobody gave me every action that I, I deploy in my life. I, I've built it. I had to go find it. I want to inspire you to go find that for yourself. Me giving it to you isn't fair. You have to, you have to go figure it out. That's the thing that is the great thing. Um, so I'm not going to tell you, by the way, I don't know, <laughs> but you can get there. <laughs> awesome, man. All right. Well, for all you guys listening out there, uh, make sure you check out uh, the, the Cowboy Perspective podcast uh, check out uh, Neil on Instagram and Facebook and, and LinkedIn and check out Peterson Farms. And when you're in Whole Foods, go, hey, I know the guy that makes this bacon. <laughs> oh, yeah, real quick, because this could be confusing. They're not going to see Peterson's in Whole Foods. When Amazon bought Whole Foods, some of the, uh, the top brass was really mostly wanting to avoid competing with other retailers and Peterson's brand was in everywhere. You know, we were trying to grow our brand. It was our job. So we bought a company called nature's rancher. So in whole foods where nature's rancher is the exclusive brand we control, we make those products, but it's not Peterson's. You can see a little Peterson's logo on the back on quite a few of the items, but if you're in Whole Foods, look for Nature's Rancher. Everywhere else, Peterson's with a D. Uh, a lot of people call it Pedersons, but it's P-E-D-E-R-S-O-N-S-F-A-R-M-S. That's the other kind of funny thing, man. I can roll that off my tongue fast because when I'm giving out my email address to people, it's like, you know, Neil at Petersonsfarms.com. P-E-D-E-R-S-O-N-S-F-A-R-M-S. If you don't get all those S's, I ain't going to get it. <laughs> 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 all right brother now you have a great rest of your week a great weekend and i will uh i'll talk to you soon you bet let's stay in touch absolutely enjoyed meeting you it's funny how these podcasts work like we never talked before never never seen your face i only know info from your podcast you've researched me a little bit that's our only relationship now it's a lot deeper. It's a lot better. If there's anything we can do for you, I sure would love to. Thank you for listening to this episode of From Embers to Excellence. 
please visit hollenbachleadership.com for additional content. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review.